right. Well, thank you, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. So you might have noticed in the uh, background there, the music is a little bit different today, and that is because it is from my guest, um, and her name is Tia. So Tia, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, my name is Tia Goins. I am a singer-songwriter out of Nashville, Tennessee. I've been performing for my entire life, um, and I've only been songwriting for just the past few years, and it changed my life, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So, um, Tia was very gracious and gave me some of her some of her music um, in kind of the intro before I met with her, and said I'm, I'm always honest with with guests and uh kind of where where i where i live grew up i'm in southwest oklahoma which is kind of a red part of a very red state of, of oklahoma mm-hmm. so uh country music is really big here um but it's just never been my my cup of tea it's never been my my genre of t- choice but i really enjoyed tia's music um i, I think she's she's quite talented and uh yeah so i i really am uh very thankful for for you giving that to me and um i think the audience will enjoy your work as well well thank you very much I, that that always is like one of the best compliments someone can give you is that i don't really do country music but I like what you're doing and it's that's that's sort of part of my story it'll it'll all kind of weave in there I'm sure we'll talk about that but yeah that's that's just cool to to hear you say that so thank you yeah absolutely and let's kind of get into that I'm always curious with uh so I've had several other counselors on my show before because I that's my my trade I'm a licensed counselor and I love hearing their story because we all have different stories of hey why why did you become a counselor and I'm imagining on the entertainment side on singing, like we, we all sing to some degree, but none of us or most of us uh, don't, don't become a professional at it. So tell (laughs) us just your, your journey of becoming a professional singer and songwriter. How did that all happen? Absolutely. So I grew up in a very small town in Missouri, about 600 people called Lowry city, Missouri, middle of nowhere. Um, and from a very young age, I just enjoyed singing. I would, my mom says, even when I was two or three years old, I was humming or singing, you know, I just liked that. Uh, my grandmother was a singer. She had played at clubs around Kansas city and kind of those things in the sixties and seventies. Um, so I had it sort of in my genetics, I guess, to, to like music, but it was just something that I always liked to do. So, um, I did my first solo in church when I was three years old at the Christmas program, uh, you know, kind of did the whole thing, grew up um, singing at little festivals and fairs and talent shows and things like that as a kid. And when I was eight years old, I was in a talent show uh, that was in a country music show. And Missouri is notorious for their country music shows. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Branson, Missouri, that whole thing. So we lived near a lake and they had a country music show there. It was called the Truman Lake Opry. And I was in a talent show there and I did not win that talent show, but the following spring, they reached out to me and they said, we would like for you to be a full-time member of our show. So I was basically the kid act that would come out and sing, you know, three or four songs and everybody ooh and ah, you know, cause I was eight, but it was my first professional gig. And at that point I was so just absolutely immersed with country music 
the Grand Ole Opry. So that was as close as I could get to the Grand Ole Opry. And by gosh, I was like, I'm on a stage, I'm singing, there's a crowd, let's go. And it was a 600 seat theater. They had a live band. So it was a really good training ground. And I did that from the time I was eight years old until I was 19 every weekend. And uh, I missed out on a few things growing up because, you know, every weekend I was booked. I had a job. So I didn't get to go to every slumber party. I didn't get to go to every, you know, I I had a real job, but it was okay because I was doing what I love to do. And uh, from that age, I was just determined that when I was a grown up, I was going to move to Nashville. That was my sole focus. Um, and for a lot of years, I realized you know, when I look back now, I don't have a lot of memories of things because I was so focused on the end game of where I wanted to be that I wasn't really paying attention to everything that was happening around me. Um, and I wrote a song about it, but anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> later. But, um, but yeah, so I moved to Nashville after college. I uh, didn't know anyone here, moved here totally by myself, got a little apartment online, had no idea what into town I was in, or if it was a good or a bad spot to be in, whatever. But um, I moved here and just kind of started networking, getting to know people, going to music shows, hearing people play. Um, I ended up getting a job at a radio station, which just happened to be the radio home of the Grand Ole Opry, WSM. Mm-hmm. And I was a huge fan. I had just went to a, a um, they were having a radio remote and I went to meet the DJ and I was just like, I would work for you guys for free. Like, this is so cool. I love the Opry, you know, and um, ended up getting a job there in the promotions department, which is very glamorous. If you've ever known anyone that works in radio and they've worked in promotions, it's passing out bumper stickers and ink pens and koozies in the pouring rain or the hundred degree weather, you know, so it's very, it's very glamorous. Um, but I did that for a couple of years, ended up learning some production and ended up producing the Grand Ole Opry warm-up show, which was an hour long show before the Opry. Every Saturday night, I got to be backstage. I went, I ran the talent, got to bring the artists on to do the show. Uh, ended up learning how to host a show, hosted a show on there for a while. In the meantime, I was just trying to figure out what to do musically because I didn't want anyone to think I was using my real job to try to wedge my way in to do my music stuff. So I really mm. didn't tell anybody that I sang. I didn't, I, I was like, eh, I'm going to try to keep these as separate as I can. Cause I just didn't want anybody to feel like I was trying to use one for the other. Cause I really wasn't. And so as all that's happening, I was still trying to network and learn my way around Nashville. And I ended up at a club one night hearing a band play called the time jumpers. Uh, they're a fabulous Western swing band. And I knew a few of the guys in the band and they called me up to sit in and sing a couple of songs with the band. And I did that. And after the show was over, I was approached by a gentleman and he said, we need to make a record. And I was like, who are you? What? Okay. And he said, I manage the time jumpers and I've got my own label and I would love to make a record with you. And I was like, okay. So uh, his name was Terry Choate. He and I ended up making four albums together. Um, they were all very traditional country music, which is old school country, uh, Merle Haggard, Loretta Lynn, kind of that style of things. Um, and it was all cover music. I was not mm-hmm. writing. I had tried to write, wasn't really my thing. So I just decided that I would be an interpreter of other people's music. And I did a lot of cover songs. And uh, through that time I, that we made records together from 2010 to 2017, 
And during that time, I was uh, part of a couple of television shows called Country's Family Reunion and Larry's Country Diner that are, they're big in Oklahoma. So if you have some Okies listening, I'm sure they've heard of <laughs> RFD TV. Um, but I was part of those TV shows, got to do some cruises. I ended up uh, traveling to Sweden and Norway and traveling around the United States doing shows and kind of doing that whole thing. And um, so that's that's sort of how it happened. And 2017, like I said, was the last record that we made together. Um, I got to perform on the Grand Ole Opry for mm. the very first time in 2010, uh, which was incredible. And, um, you know, I kind of thought, OK, I've I've reached I've reached the dream. I've done the thing, you know, and I, I've performed on the Opry now 11 times, which is wow. still kind of unbelievable to the kid that wrote a report in third grade about the Grand Ole Opry and drew a picture for career day of me standing on stage at the Grand Ole Opry <laughs> singing. You know, So that was like, that was it. And um, I kind of started to coast uh, after 2017, you know, you kind of get in the groove and you're kind of doing your thing. And, and I, I didn't realize that I was in such a hamster wheel of, mm. of kind of doing the same thing. And then the pandemic hit. And that's when my whole world completely changed. Mm. Um, I, I think when, I think we all probably had during that time when everything shut down, we had nothing to do, but sit with our thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard this story. I'm sure if, if as a counselor, yes, <laughs> yes. a <you> lot. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you really start, like, I really started to reassess what am I doing? What purpose is this serving? I mean, yes, I got to, I've, I've, I've lived my dream. I've got to do all these great things, but I felt like there was, there was something missing from that, that I felt like there was more to it. And at that point, I didn't know that the music industry was ever even going to bounce back. You know, there for a while, it was like, there's, there's nothing. We were doing Zoom concerts for people and that was about as far as it could go, you know? And so I, I had just really done some soul searching and I kind of thought, you know, I've done what I set out to do. Maybe it's time to do something totally different. You know, um, I had always said in my, I've told people this before that if I wasn't a musician, I would probably be a therapist somewhere. So that's something that interests me. And I thought maybe I could go back to school. Maybe I could do so. you know, I don't know. And, um, it was in July of 2020. Um, I had some very abrupt changes happen. Uh, the gentleman who had produced my records, he had kind of taken on my manager role and all of those things, Terry. He became very ill. Uh, he had struggled with diabetes for his entire life. Um, and he got ill. He had to move back to North Carolina. So he was another piece. Not only was my business shut down. My one link of the guy who had kind of been keeping it going for me was now out of the picture. And I was just standing all by myself. And so then I thought, okay, maybe this really is a sign from the Lord that I'm just supposed to just, that this is the end. Like, let's just let this be. And I will never forget. I was driving one day in my car. I know right where I was. It's a road, not far from where I live. And I heard God say, it's time to write. And my initial reaction was, mm -mm, I don't do that. I've tried that. You've got the wrong person. I'm sorry. And if you know, if, if you have ever told God no about something that he asked you to do, 
<laughs> you know that he is very persistent and he'll bug you about it and he'll drive you crazy and he'll put things in your path to make you go, I'm not doing that. No, I don't <laughs> want to, you know? Well, that happened for about three weeks. That happened to me. And uh, I just kept, having these thoughts and and I, I even had a little notebook and I wrote down a few things that I thought, no, I'm just, no, I'm not, no, that's not, I'm not doing that. I've tried that. I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. That's I, I've, I've gone on record as saying I'm not a songwriter. I don't, I'm good. So, um, uh, the beginning of August, a friend of mine named Mo Pitney, he's another great artist. Uh, he released a record and I was going out for a walk and I thought I'm going to listen to his record today because it came out and I like to do unto others as they would, I would have them do unto me. I would love for other artists to listen when I release something. So I thought I'm going to listen to his record. So I went out, walked, listened to it top to bottom. It was great. And it represented him so well. And he's a songwriter. And I thought, man, this, this really captured who he was. And uh, so I sent him a text and just said, your album was great good job, whatever, you know, and I looked it up uh, and the person who had produced the album, his name is Jim Moose Brown. Now, people probably don't recognize that name just right off the bat, but he's a Grammy award-winning songwriter. Mm -hmm. He wrote a little tune that a lot of folks know called It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like the whole world knows that song, right? Um, he's also a member of Bob Seger's Silver Bullet Band. And he's a session musician here in Nashville. He plays on a lot of big records that you hear on the radio. And um, he had he had produced the record. And so let me rewind just a little bit. In 2017, Moose had reached out to me via Facebook, just out of the blue. I didn't know him. And he just said, hey, I just saw a video of you. Who are you? Why, why do I not know who you are? What's going on? And I, I, I messaged him back and I said, oh, hey, thanks. You know, because I knew who he was. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks. And he said, what are you doing? You know, would you like to write? And I had told him in 2017, I don't write. Thank you for asking. Thanks for your compliment. Good to see you. Good to meet you. Moving on. So I messaged him. We had stayed friends on Facebook. And uh, I messaged him and just said, hey, man, I just heard Mo's record. You did a great job. It was awesome. You really captured him. It was awesome. And he messages me back and said, thank you. And he said, my offer still stands. If you'd ever like to write together or anything, just let me know. Hmm. And I thought, okay, God, you couldn't <laughs> put you couldn't put a more, more obvious thing in my in my path at this point. So I messaged him and I said, listen, I haven't written in a long time. I didn't really enjoy it when I tried. And he said, well, I haven't written in three years. He said, I've almost retired because the music coming out of Nashville just isn't the kind of music that I feel comfortable, that I like to write. And, and I've kind of given up on it too. So he said, we'd be rusty together. And I said, okay. So we meet up, it was the 20th of August, three days before my 40th birthday. So let me just put a plug in for Moses wandering in the desert for 40 years and the Israelites. <laughs> hey. Hi. So, um, you know what I'm saying? So I go, okay, why not? We get together. Uh, first time we had ever met in person. Uh, we talked for about an hour and he looked at me and he said, what do you want to write? And I go, oh, it's, it's up to me. Uh, oh, um, well, let's see. I said, I, I, I did have this idea that I wrote down in a book the other day. And I said, you know, I've been locked in the house with my husband for the last six months and uh, I've come to learn some things. And one of those things is that I really like him a lot, mm. that 
when I say he's my best friend, he really is my best friend. And we started on this song, he pulled his keyboard out and starts playing. And he's because he's a melody guy. I don't I at that time didn't play an instrument. I had been a drummer all through high school. So I had the rhythm thing, but I didn't have an instrument. So he sits down with the piano and I just start, you know, we kind of do this thing. And we started and finished the song. It's called Easy that day, which if you know anything about songwriting, starting and finishing a song the day that you meet is not typical yeah. at all. And we both knew that. And we got done and we were like, whoa, what just happened? And I mean, within a matter of two or three hours, you know, we were like, holy cow. And um, that sort of started a process. Um, and we ended up writing an entire album. We, we weren't planning to do an album. I had no intention of doing an album. Um, I don't know how much, uh, I, there's, there's a lot. Um, this, this was in August, September, uh, my husband and I, Brandon, um, he had been planning a trip for us to take. Yes. It was the middle of the pandemic, but he, for since he was a child, he has wanted to do the Route 66 trip. Mm -hmm. And so he had planned it all out. I, I really had not done a lot of research on it because I wanted to be surprised. I didn't know much about it. He's like a nut about it. So he knew every stop and everything <laughs> to see. But I wanted to be surprised. So in September, we take off on this trip. And uh, it, we started in Oklahoma City and went all the way to Santa Monica. And then when we came back, we went a different route coming back. So we actually ended up going through 13 states in 10 days. And it was the most, it was life-changing. It was the most incredible trip I've ever taken. I saw a side of the United States that I wasn't super familiar with because I'd never really been out West and really seen it, you know, mm -hmm. and around every corner was something different, was something that I wasn't expecting. That was like, wow, wow, wow. And what I realized was it, that was paralleling my life mm. in that moment that I was at a place where I did not know what was coming up next. I had taken this first step. I felt like God had called me to write. I had taken that step, but I didn't know what that was going to mean or where that was going to lead to, or maybe it was just that one song. And maybe it was just what, you know, I didn't, I had no idea what was going to happen next. And so when I got back, uh, I was talking to Moose about that. And, um, and I was also talking to him about how I don't have a lot of memories growing up, um, because of my focus on this was all, this is all I could think of. This was all I wanted to do. And now what, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I want to do now. I don't know where I'm at. And we ended up writing a song that day called enjoy the view that mm. kind of parallels that story of, you know, and of just of what I was going through during that time. And so, like I said, we ended up writing a lot more songs and he looked at me one day and he said, what are you going to do with these? And I was like, I, I really don't know. And he said, well, are you going to like make an album? And I said, I, I don't know how I, I you know, I, the only thing I've ever done, I've had to rely on someone else who had a record label to do it. I didn't know. And, and I've also learned that, um, I, I relying on other people is great. It's great to have people around you, but you do have to take some responsibility for yourself sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I said, well, okay. And I basically got online and 
learned how to make a record. I started my own independent label. Wow. I, which is not anything fancy or hard to do. If anyone out there is something that you'd like to, it's not difficult. It's not expensive. It's really not that big of a deal, but you have to have something to put it out on, you know? So I did that. I had to learn the publishing world. I'd never mm. been experienced anything in that. So I had to start a publishing company for my songs that I had written and learn about publishing and how that goes. And I had to learn about, you know, how to make album artwork and how to uh, put things on, uh, you know, iTunes and Spotify and learn that whole end of things. And my husband and I learned how to make music videos with our iPhones. You know, they're not mm -hmm. super professional, but they get the job done, you know. Um, so when we were doing everything on a very tiny budget, so it was like, okay, let's figure this out. And so um, I released my album. It's called All Over the Map. I'm old school. I have CDs, but you can get it anywhere. It's on Spotify and all those places. Um, but we released that um, in 2021, uh, it was September of 2021. So almost exactly a year after this whole thing started, I wrote songs, put an album out, the whole nine yards. And God was so present during that time that looking back now, I know why he called me to write. Because during that time, I needed a lot of therapeutic, getting a lot of things out, learning things, figuring out how me relying on people for so long had really sort of trapped me. Mm. Um, I didn't realize how under control I was until I was in control. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, I didn't realize how out of control I had let things get, not in a bad way necessarily, but just not having any say in things. Um, I had allowed myself to get pigeonholed into you sing old school country music and that's what people expect you to sing. And if you mm -hmm. sing anything other than that, they're going to hate you. You know, I mean, the mm -hmm. devil plays big when you're trying to follow God's lead and you listened to this album. So, you know, not every song on there is hardcore traditional country not mm -hmm. maybe there's like one that's like a real country shuffle some of them have kind of a bluegrass tinge some uh -huh. of them have a soul tinge some of them have uh, even uh, one of the songs on there has i love frank sinatra it kind of has a kind of has a sinatra vibe so it's like you know there's a lot of uh, there this i finally made a record that was who i am and i was felt like i was really revealing myself to my audience for the very first time. Mm. They had heard me sing, but they hadn't heard my story. And when I did that, I just felt like this is why God led me to do this because I needed to get these feelings out. And this was mm. the only way for me to do it was for me to write this music. And now when I'm performing it, I get a different reaction from people because I don't have people come up after the show and go, oh, you have a nice voice or you know something like that. They say, that one song, mm. I've been there or that story you told about how that song came. I, I know what that feels like. And I have learned that there is, I don't know, there's just something in having a purpose that, that it, it spoke, it, it, it ministered to me when I was writing it, but seeing these songs minister to other people yeah. or to have somebody else just come up and go, I've been where you are. Or I can say that to them and go, I've been where you are. And they, we can feel like we're not alone. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just, yeah, it, it's just, it's been a real thing. It's, it, I, I say a lot, fulfillment over fame. Mm -hmm. 
fulfillment, it has just been the last three years, I have felt more like I'm in line with what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and the purpose behind music is completely different now than it has ever been. And I'm, I'm just so thankful that that God stopped the world in 2020 to, to shake me out of my, out of my comfort zone. And I think that's, I think a lot of us got shaken out of that. And, and it's just a matter of having the faith to take the first step. If I could encourage anybody on anything, it's just to take the first step because if God showed us the whole plan, we would try to get it done ourselves and finish it out tomorrow. He doesn't work that way. He says, take one step. Um, I heard it said a long time ago, You will never walk on water until you step out of the boat. You got to put your foot out there. If you're in, if it's in God's will, you know, with any decision that you make for me throughout this, the first thing I do is I weigh it against God's word, obviously, you know, does this line up? Is this, is this where, you know, and then if, if, if I feel like, okay, it, it does. And then I'm like, but I'm not sure exactly how to go about doing it. If you'll take the first step, he'll direct you. He'll either put a he'll either put a brick wall there and go, nope, 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 not that way, this way. You know, what I mean? uh-huh. but, but you have to do it. You have to take that step and you have to trust him. And that's really, I think that's what I've learned the most is that I mean, I've I've been a Christian since I was a kid, but that putting your full trust and full surrender in his hands. That's a big thing. And that's a daily thing. It's not something you just learn and go, okay, check. I'm good. I know how to do that now. No, I do that every day. (laughs) You have to re-up every day and go, okay. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of put me where I am at this point. So. Uh, You you know, as you're, you're talking through that journey um, of what led you there, a, a few things came to my mind. Um, one that this is kind of a, a silly example. Um, yeah. my, my wife and I have been, uh, uh, rewatching, uh, rewatching the office for the umpteenth time. I don't know how many times it's, it's been. Um, but it's, this has been the longest gap we've had. We haven't watched it in some time and something I, I constantly draw back to, um, if anyone listening, if you haven't watched the office, uh, Steve Carell's the, the main character he's kind of the, the goofy boss in it. Yes. And, if there's ever been a typecast actor, that would be it. Like Michael Scott is an icon iconic character that yep. it it you see this all the time with like Steve Urkel back in Family mm-hmm. Matters and stuff that mm-hmm. you don't see them beyond that person, that actor. Right. Um, I don't even know his uh Urkel's name, uh the real actors, because like that that's all I can think of them as right? is, is Urkel. But yeah. something that I am so um have a lot of respect for and, and by no means am i a, a, a genius on on acting critics but with steve carell i don't think of him as as michael scott i think of him as all sorts of things because mm-hmm. he's done so many other movies and roles and he's been able to move beyond that michael scott character yes. which is incredible to me because that yes. that's a, an incredibly difficult thing to do and Absolutely. in your story there yeah, you're the, you sing classic country song. That's me. That's all I do. And there's, like you're saying, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's not like no. that was a, an evil thing, but nope. complacency can can come in there. And what you were saying, fulfillment over fame is such a wonderful way to look at it, especially in a Christian worldview. Yeah. Getting 
money, getting paid, like that's that's not a bad thing. Um, you right. do good things with with wealth. But what is my motivation here? Is it solely to get money? Um, this, this is a bit of a different different topic here, but it's kind of a hot button it's one. Okay. Um, there are uh, a lot of young women right now that have gotten a lot of money through something called OnlyFans, which is essentially just a, an, an amateur porn type of type of site. Yeah. And yeah. I have a daughter. She's only she's only three right now. So that stuff crawls all over me uh, of just sure. the, the thought it's of my terrifying. daughter being in yeah. that. Um, them getting money. That's not good enough. That that's not fulfilling. I don't care what they say. That is not a fulfilling life. And I know men do unfulfilling things too. And sure. again, going back to you, it's not like you were doing an inherently bad thing, but it wasn't fulfilling. And to take that step, uh, that take that risk, that vulnerability of hey God, you I'm I'm gonna write. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but I'm gonna do it. To have any type of fulfillment, you have to take a risk. That it's yes. it's inevitable. And the scary thing is, is we don't know if it's going to turn out well. It might not, but right. you have you have to do it anyways. And yeah, that's what I loved about hearing your story is that willingness to do that, and then also of it being in 2020. All yeah. of you listening, you remember that year. It's etched in my mind mm-hmm. so incredibly largely that there's there's the pandemic there's there's all the riots and stuff that went on that year there's a massive presidential election it was <laughs> chaos throughout yeah. the entire time but in my life um during that time looking at just with gratitude my daughter was born right before that she was born in the oh, in wow. 2019 and those were her really formative that was her formative year and yeah. well yeah it was crazy I got to spend a lot of time with my daughter during that year. You've had a great distraction from all that stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I I look back over that and able to see the joy in it. And that's what I love about your story too, is not letting an admittedly bad year, um, not letting that define it. Um, You you were able to define it in a fulfilling way, which I, I just think is incredible. Absolutely. And, and that year, you know, I, I also, I look back, there was a ton of fear. There was, there was a ton of, um, letting go of things that, that I, I didn't, that were hard to let go of for me. Um, there's a song on the album called untangled. And now that you hear this, it makes a little more sense, but there there were things happening that, that again, like I said, I had let control be controlled for so long that that I I was just realizing that wait, I, I actually do have control over this. Mm-hmm. I do actually have, you know, the ability to do these things, but I've been so afraid of ever stepping out on my own and ever thinking that I could do it. So that year was it was a difficult year. I look back now and I'm so thankful for it though. Because I think until we really go through difficult things, number one, we will never learn to rely on God. We'll never learn because that's the only time, you know, that's when we really learn to rely on him and to really go, I can't do this. You're going to have to do it for me because I, or sh- you know, I, I can't. Um, and getting me just, there were just, again, I, I was learning so many things. And 
the fame, you know, like you were talking about, I had gotten to do a lot of the things that I dreamt of doing as a kid. And that was fine. It was good. And I never have made a ton of money. I really haven't. That's never, unfortunately, I've never, you know, that's just not been the case for me. I've, I've been able to do okay, but it's not like I'm just, you know, some wealthy Taylor Swift, you know, Mm -hmm. thing. That's not me, but, um, you know, it's like, I just, sorry, I, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it was just the idea of what I wanted to do versus what God needed Mm -hmm. me to do. And he gave me a talent. He gave me a talent to sing and to do that. And he gave me a gift, my spiritual gifts and my talents. Those are two different things. You know what I mean? I've never considered singing my gift from God. I've considered it a talent from God, not a gift. My gifts, when I read the Bible, the things that I feel like I'm strong in are teaching and wisdom and and guiding people. Like that's kind of always been a thing. And in this in this moment, I realized those two things can meld together. I can, I can teach and, and impart things that I've learned, things that God has taught me through this, through these songs and through these stories and through these things that I went through. And so when people come to see me perform, you know, typically I do an acoustic show um, with, it's just me and my guitar, which by the way, that's another thing. I play a guitar now. Mm -hmm. One year ago, I did not play a guitar one year ago. It was a year ago, almost to the day. Um, I, my husband and I were walking through the mall in Franklin, Tennessee, and we walked by a gift shop, like the, like the Nashville, you know, cheesy tourist gift shop. And uh, they had ukuleles hanging in the window. And my husband looked at me and he goes, you know, you've always said that you can't play guitar because your hands are too small. And they are, they're, I have very tiny hands like I do. And he said, you should play a ukulele. I bet you could play a ukulele. I'm like, what? to play ukulele and that's dumb and why would I do that and we walked in and we looked at one and I was like whatever and I hang it back up and we walk out I could not get that ukulele out of my mind I could not stop thinking about that and two days later I ordered this cheap little ukulele and I thought okay if I can figure this thing out whatever you know so it comes in the mail I flip on you know YouTube University to try to learn how to play a ukulele. And the first day I had it, I learned a song on it. And I thought, huh, that's kind of fun. And I'm enjoying that. And I've never enjoyed learning anything ever. If it doesn't come naturally to me, I'm not interested. (laughs) I'm just that kind of person, which is not okay. That's not a good way to be. And I'm here to tell you, it's not a good way to be. And this has taught me that, but I was enjoying actually putting the work in and trying to figure things out on it. And so I had learned a few of my own songs on it. And through the course of, um, again, I got, I, this is just another crazy story. Sorry. If I, if I, if I'm talking too much, just no, the, out, this, I love the story. I that's, got, that's what this is. This is, I, I got an email last August. So I had been playing for a month. I got an email from a woman who I have never met. I still have never met this woman. She said, I manage this artist. And he's doing a songwriter's round and we would like you to come and be a part of it. It's in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is the home of Dollywood. It's about three hours away from Nashville. Um, And she said, we would like you to be in the round. I still don't know how the woman ever 
knew who I was or knew I was writing or anything. I, I have no idea. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that because this goes back to relying on other people. I had always had to rely on bringing a, a, a guitar player with me, finding someone to play piano for me or something like that. You know, I'd never been able to do it on my own. And so I thought, you know what? I can play a few of my own songs on my ukulele. I'm going to, I'm going to say yes to this lady. And I knew this thing was not going to pay any money. We would lose money because it's a three hour drive to get there. And we're going to have to get a hotel. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, mm-hmm. there's, I'm not going to make any money, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to play. And so I played my first songwriters round and I thought, you know, I'm not, I don't know anybody here. I don't know the other artists that are involved. So I thought if I get up there and just make a fool of myself, it's okay. No one, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So I take my ukulele. We did two nights, two different songwriter rounds, and I made it through. It wasn't perfect, but it but I got through it. It was fine. And when I finished up, the sound man came over to me and he said, "You know, my friend, uh, she plays ukulele." He said, "But she bought a guitar and just took the top two strings off and tunes it like a ukulele, so you can actually play the guitar in the ukulele style, but you can plug it in and actually have it mic. You know, you can." use it that way and so the next day when we got back to Nashville I went and bought this guitar and took the top two strings off and I can't put it down and now I play shows by myself with just me and my guitar and tell my stories and it has been the most (laughs) rewarding thing that I've ever done truly and again don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be scared. There's not an age limit. I'm, you know, none of this happened until I turned 40. So it's like, <laughs> you're not too old to to do those things that if you feel like you're led to do something, give it a shot, try it, take the first step. It's just, it, it, it's absolutely changed everything for me. Yeah. I, no, I, I, that's so encouraging to hear. Um, yeah. To, this this wasn't something that came naturally um and you have that kind of natural of uh, i don't want to do it it's it's frustrating um yeah i I, i've got little so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of bluey that's played in our household and uh there there's an episode of bluey where uh bluey's not able to ride her bike so she's super mad and upset and anyways uh the moral of the story is everyone else was frustrated but they still did it anyways they still made it made it through it exactly that's that that's perseverance and that perseverance especially as being being a christian it's not Mm. about um tia being the best guitar player ever it's not about johnny being the best ever it's god i trust you that if i fall hey you you got me um and maybe that wasn't the route i needed to take or maybe i just need to keep falling until i get it but i trust you that you're going to put me in the right spot. Exactly. And that's the thing too. I have learned, I I have always been a perfectionist. I'd always been that. I had always been, in fact, that was a real struggle I had. I had kind of a mental breakdown, oddly enough, in 2017, when all of these other, you know, I had kind of quit making music and all these other things. And what that boiled down to when I finally said it out loud was that I struggled with a perfection complex, if you will, where I had always been the good kid and I had always been expected to be the good kid. And if I ever 
fell off and it, you know, I was going to disappoint everybody and it was going to be terrible, you know, and, and no one was putting on that on me except myself. Um, and I, I had really struggled with perfectionism. So when this started and I started again, I think part of that was also why all my growing up, if something didn't come absolutely naturally to me, like singing did, you know, singing, I could just open my mouth and it came out and it was there. If I wanted to learn how to play basketball and I wasn't the best basketball player, I'm out. I want no part of it. Thank you. I'm not going to, no, no. If I can't be the very best one, I didn't want any, anything mm -hmm. to do with it. So when this guitar thing came up and this ukulele thing, and I wasn't perfect, but I could see the purpose in it. And I could see how this was going to move me into a place of me being able to do things that I'd never done before. And I thought, well, God's called me this far. And if he's calling me to do this thing, the least I can do is put the work in to do what I need to do. Um, again, it goes back, you know, to Moses. Uh, sorry, I'm, I, I'm studying Exodus right now. So that's like super fresh on my mind. Um, but, you know, he grew up in Pharaoh's kingdom, right? So he knew how the armies worked there. He knew how the things were that he, he had a knowledge that was already there. So when he went in to lead the nation of Israel, he already kind of knew that, you know what I mean? Like he had, he kind of had that knowledge going into it of like, I've seen how this can work. I've seen how the, you know, not that he wanted to be a Pharaoh. I don't mean that because obviously he didn't thank you Jethro for, you know, rerouting that whole thing. Anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm deep into Exodus right now. Sorry. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? But I felt like the least I can do is put this work in and learn these things and do it when it's hard and do it when your fingers hurt and do it when you can't quite figure out which chord you're supposed to go to next. And if that's what I'm supposed to be doing, this will pay off. And also, if God's in it, people are going to hear what he wants them to hear in it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if the way I play it is perfect or if my voice cracks or whatever, if there's something that they need to hear, they'll hear it. He's, you know, I, that's my prayer now before I perform is for the people who are listening. If there's something that they need to hear that you need to, that you need to tell them through what I say, make their ears open so that they mm -hmm. can hear you through whatever it is, whatever song, whatever random thing I might say, let it hit them that way. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I just, it, it does it, in again, putting in the work, I think that's something that, again, I hadn't really done. I'd always relied on someone else or done something else. And you've got to put some effort into it. That's, yeah. that's, that's part of working that faith muscle is, is putting the work in. You know, it's interesting that, uh, of just the cultural's view about, about humans, about mankind, mm. sometimes they put too high of a view of man that essentially we are all good and essentially we don't mm. need god uh we don't mm -hmm. need a savior and that that's mm -hmm. not true not one of us are good we we've all sinned nope. that that much is very very evident um again yes. I, I have little ones it's super evident <laughs> once they come <laughs> out that, that we are not perfect yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, at the same token also, culture sometimes sets the bar too low of like, nah, you can't do that. Um, you're not capable of, of getting that done. Just give up. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not true either. Although we are sinful, we are made in God's image. And yes. and I actually have a, a huge respect for um, for songwriters, for singers, for artists, anybody in the art type of 
sphere of things because we are created to create. Um, that mm-hmm. is such a massive part. Our God is the greatest artist of all. Um, yes. You just go look outside. I mean, right. it's, it's gorgeous. So, mm-hmm. so for us to be able to create is beautiful. And yeah. I look at my my daughter's pink drawings that she puts mm-hmm. out there, and that's a beautiful little creation. Yep. Um, I listen to to your music; it's a beautiful creation. Whatever you can create out there, I, I actually view my um, my podcast in a sense as a type of of art. Of yes, it wouldn't exist had. I not done this, get in front of the microphone, talk to people like you. That is a form of creation. It's a form of art. We are made like that is imprinted on everybody's DNA. Um, And we don't need to cheapen ourselves to say we Mm. can't, because Mm -hmm. honestly, in the end, we're we're not just cheapening ourselves. We're we're cheapening God. We're made in his image and saying that his creation isn't doing what he told us to do. And that's exactly. And and it's a way for us to give credit back to him. When we do Mm -hmm. it, when we do it, we can say, I didn't do this by myself because I can't, I know I can't, you know what I mean? It's a way to Mm -hmm. give back to him. And the beautiful thing about like you were saying through creation of each of us being able to create, no matter what it is, I don't care if you're creating a food or if you're creating a song or if you're creating a podcast or a picture or whatever you're creating it is individual because we are each unique and god has a unique purpose for every one of us so there's nothing that we can do or come up with that somebody else has done you know what i mean it's it's going to be our unique take on it and i just think that that's that's something else that just shows off god's amazingness is that there's nobody in the whole world like you. There's no one else in the world like you, in the words of Mr. Rogers, but there's not, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. You're unique. You are the only one of you that there's ever going to be. And what you have to say and what you have to do and what God's purpose is, it's unique to you and to your circle of people that you're going to influence, whether you're influencing people on a podcast and you're reaching thousands of people Or your circle of people might be that you work at the bank and you see a few people, you know, from town every day or whatever, or your circle might be your next door neighbor, whatever that is, you're there for a purpose and just, you know, whatever you can do, whatever God has called you to do or lead you to do, you know, just do it, do it. And because there's such a joy in it that can, that's unexplainable. There is a, there there's a peace, there's a contentment in that when you know that you're doing what you're meant to do instead of what you want to do. There's a difference between that and, and it's, it's, an, it's incredible. Uh, just, just thought of this question of, so you had, you this, this didn't all just happen exactly overnight, but in a sense, it happened very quickly to where I have this direction that essentially I know I'm supposed to go, but I, I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for for maybe the listener or just uh, maybe somebody that listens to one of your concerts or something, but they're like, that's great, but I don't even know what what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my purpose on this this earth is. Um, what type of advice or what what type of direction do you think for those that they have no idea what their direction is, but what do you think they should do in those situations? Um, my number one thing 
would be as a Christian, especially, um, to be in prayer about it and to be completely honest with God. Um, I have learned that the more specific you pray and the more questions you ask, the more answers you'll get. I mean, that's literally biblical, you know, ask and you will receive. I mean, it's, it's not hard seek and you will find it's not hard, but you've, you, again, you have to put some work into it. You have to seek. Um, and I think again, just, and, and not only being in prayer, but listening, a lot of times we get so into our prayer that we're praying and we're asking and we're asking and we're asking, are we ever giving God a chance to answer? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you have to take some of that time where you can just find somewhere where you can just be quiet and just, and hear from God. He will, he will speak to you. It's amazing how that works. And he'll speak to you through his word, be in the word and don't just read, you know, a few verses a day and hope for the best or whatever, you know, you got to dig again. You got to put the work in. You've you've got to look for those answers. You've got to seek that stuff. And and to know God's character makes a big difference too. Mm-hmm. If you're just going based on what you've heard at Bible school, it's a different thing. You, you learn learn about God when you're reading the Bible. Be able to like go through as you're learning and think, okay, what did I learn about God from this? Because I think we're all guilty of reading the Bible and going, well, how does this apply to me? (laughs) Or how does this apply to this person I know that needs to do this? You know what I mean? Instead of going, what what does this tell me about God and who God is and what God wants for us and what, why God created us and what God's sovereignty looks like in our lives and that he's, you know, over all things where are the places that he needs me and ask him that, you know, and it may be something again that you don't want to do, or it may be something that you don't think you can do. Don't let that stop you because he, if he leads you to it, he will lead you through it. Isn't that, isn't that a phrase mm-hmm. I've heard before? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's again with the Moses and the parting of the sea, they were standing there going, what, what are we supposed to do with this? Swim across, you know, we can't, we've got a thousand people with million people with us. What, what are you thinking? You know, he made a way and he waited till the very last minute. He waited till you could see the Egyptians coming at him. You know, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't make it where it was a real easy thing. They were going, Oh, this isn't going to happen. I can't, we can't, we can't, you know? And that's the thing is, is um, just, I I don't know. It's, it's been so eye opening for me. And like I said, I've been in church my whole life. I've been a Christian since I was seven years old and, you know, I knew I could have, I could have told anyone the things that I'm talking about now, but, you know, in theory, but once you've experienced it, it's a completely different thing. And it's, it's so much more meaningful. And especially if we're reaching out to people who maybe aren't Christians and we're telling them our story, they're going to get a lot more when I say, well, this is what happened to me rather than me going, well, let me tell you about what happened to, you know, James over here in the Bible, they would rather go, let me go, let me just tell you how, what God did in my life. And then that, and I think sometimes that even makes it a little easier step for us to be able to witness to other people and, mm-hmm. and tell them about Jesus. A couple of things kind of came into my mind when, when you're saying that, uh, one, there's this wonderful quote by, um, by Dr. Martin Lord Jones that said something along the lines of, we need to Instead of listening to ourselves, we need to talk to ourselves. And mm-hmm. what he what he meant by that mm-hmm. is 
we need to know uh, know, what scripture says, um, what it says about ourselves, what it says about God and remind ourselves of that. And Mm -hmm. the only way that you can know that is if if you're in in the word, you are praying that you have that and remind yourself of that in those dark times. Instead of really the worldly advice is listen to yourself, what pursue your heart, what, what, what does your heart say? And that's a really bad thing to do because what my heart says sometimes isn't what I really need. It, no. Sometimes my my heart says, I, I, I really want to eat this cheeseburger again, but <laughs> that may not be what I really need. Um, yeah. So knowing what I need and speaking to that mm-hmm. in that moment, again, scripture is going to be a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about praying. And it is a different discipline than Bible reading. Um, mm-hmm. It's it fueled the same way. I've plugged this on my podcast before, and I'll do it again. Wonderful, tiny little book. Um, it's like 60 pages. And honestly, um, it you don't even have to read all 60 pages. It, it's pretty, pretty thin. But it's called Praying the Bible, and it is in the name. Literally, it's Praying the Bible. And... Mm-hmm. What's wonderful about it, to your example of we're so used to in a prayer, like, oh, God, give me peace. Give me this. Give me, give me, give me, um, that we lose perspective. And Mm -hmm. it uses especially the Psalms and it uses biblical language. If the Psalm says, Lord, thank you. You were so majestic. We might use that as a prayer of God. Mm -hmm. I saw the mountains today. They were so majestic. Thank you for the mountains. Yes. How much better is that than God? I, w- I want more money <laughs> like that. That kind right. of falls flat. Um, yeah. Use scripture. He gave it to us as a gift and we can use it Absolutely. for prayer, too. Yeah. And and I think prayer, you know, I, I'm guilty of this, of thinking, well, I'm going to set aside this exact moment in time and that will be the time that I pray today and it will be for this long. And this is what I'm going to do. And these are the this is my list of things I'm going to say. And then I'm done, you know, and I have, I have grown past that now where I feel like my prayer goes on all day long. I mean, there are some times that specifically if I'm in my car, I use that a lot of times kind of as my prayer time. It's my prayer closet is my car is I, you know, I'll just sit in there and be like, okay, here's what's going on. Or here's the person I'm thinking about or whatever, you know what I mean? But I like to pray in a conversational way. Because I think that's, that's what we have is a conversation with God. It's not, you know, it's him talking to us, us talking to him. And a lot of times as I'm praying and I pray out loud when I'm in my car. So if anyone ever sees me, I mean, (laughs) luckily now we have Bluetooth. So people are used to seeing people talk to themselves in their car, but you know, there was a time when people would have been like, you okay. But I will, I talk out loud and it's amazing sometimes when I'm praying things out loud that I will almost get an answer as I'm speaking and go, Oh, Oh, you know what? That's, that's right. You are so right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think sometimes hearing, like you said, hearing what you're saying, what you're praying for and really speaking it and then going, Oh, like I will hear those answers or, or get some, some thought of maybe you should try this way or that this literally happened to me earlier today. I was praying about something and God was just like, uh, there's this. And then I was like, Oh, right. I, I didn't think of it. Thank you. You know, and you can say that right in the moment. But a lot of times just, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes and go, I'm breathing. Thank you. Thank you for that breath. Thank you that I can see to get out of my bed. Thank you that I have a roof. 
that, you know, I mean, it can start with just the smallest things like that. And, and if you start your day in those moments and thinking that way, it gets real difficult to complain as the day mm-hmm. goes on. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes it a little harder to, to gripe about something when you think, wow, thank you faucet for turning on. And I have uh-huh. as much cold or hot water as I want. It's clean. Thanks. Cause I know that there are people that are, wish they could get one little cup of that water. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, it just puts everything in perspective when you can be, if you have nothing else to pray, pray gratitude, pray for those little things that, that you can walk or that you can, you know, whatever, just trust me, we've all got way, 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 way more to be thankful for than we do to complain about. And it's easy to get in the world that we live in, especially now, it's easy to watch the news and think well everything's just the worst it's ever been and it's horrible and it's all it's and and i'm not saying that it's great because it's not but if we're really weighing things out as our own individual self we've probably got more good than bad Mm -hmm. in our lives and and we need to really be able to think about that and there's a song i wrote about that on this album in fact that very that very thought um and vince gill sang with me on that song which is unbelievable. So wow. Yeah. Well, that's what I know. But Vince Gill is doing the harmony vocals for me on that. So, but yeah, but that's, that's what that song is about is about just, you know, the, the things that are, if you cling to truth, you can get through anything. That's, that's it. And, and you know, really that concept that you're saying right there is the whole precipice behind my, my podcast. Um, nice. I, Kind of some some backstory for for you and for anyone listening that hasn't yeah. listened before. Um, th- it started as my uh, an extension of my counseling practice. So my, I have a Christian counseling practice called Truth and Grace Counseling. So it was just simply named the Truth and Grace Counseling Podcast, and mm-hmm. it it was fun. I enjoyed it, but it started to just become its own thing. Um, and I wanted there, like I'm, I'm in my practice. I'm pretty unashamed about my about my values. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a Christian counseling practice. Um, I'm even a part of um, a a network. There's a um, a a website called Conservative Therapist that's mm-hmm. on there that I'm a part of there because there's not a lot of conservative therapists out there. So hey, I'm one of them. Um, right. So not ashamed of my values, but. Sure. So much content on um, either Christian and or conservative uh, podcast or news or general is, wow, this is bad. <laughs> Biden's bad. AOC's bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad, bad. And again, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think all of that content is bad. Um, I think there's an, an extent of having um, a realistic idea of what's going on around you. Absolutely. Is, that's fine. Yes. But me sitting in front of the TV and talking about how bad things are, that's not doing any good. Nope. We're, we're not changing lives. We're just getting mad. Um, yes. And that's what I wanted here is to not sugarcoat things, to not mm-hmm. be ashamed of values. But right. I want to talk to people that are doing things that are that are. Mm-hmm. That's where the name comes in of faithfully engaged, yeah. that we're yeah. engaging in the culture and not just yelling at the TV. Yelling at the TV doesn't do you any good. No, no, not at all. Yeah. There's in fact, there, it's that song I was telling you about. There's a line uh, in the second verse that says so many voices, so angry with nothing to say. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's like that's that we do. We hear that. And, and and I'm all for being educated and knowing what's going on and and being aware of what's happening in our world. Very well aware. I feel like I'm one of those people. I feel like I I do listen to a lot of things and watch a lot of things that I I try to at least know what's going on in the world. Um, but I also know that I'm supposed to be filling my mind with what is good and what is pure and what is righteous. And a lot of those things just aren't, <laughs> they're just not. And I think, yeah. you know, a good, t- a good 10 minutes a day will pretty much catch you up on what's going on yeah. the rest of your day. You can definitely be doing a lot more fruitful things. Absolutely. 100%. And I think that's something regardless of where you're at in your life. If Absolutely. You are- you know, that executive at the bank, or if you're the teller at the bank, that's still yes. good, good advice yes. to not yes. overextend yourself with that. Yes. Great. Well, Tia, this has been a wonderful story into your life and to uh, just, yeah, that, that this becoming a songwriter and really, and I, I was going to tell you this earlier that I think that's part of the reason why I was drawn to listening to you, to your music is it wasn't normal. It wasn't Thank just you. A, a normal Thank you. country album. Did I it, quote you? This yes. music isn't normal. <laughs> yes. No, I love I, that, actually. Thank you. It, it, we are drawn as humans to authentic um, behavior, to people that are just authentic in general. Um, if we're fake, it yeah. might, it might, you might, might be able to fool some people, but it yeah. doesn't have that same connection. It doesn't um, last. No. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, But that being authentic, kind of bearing yourself out there, that does last. Um, So, yeah, I I, I just really I really appreciate it. You sharing that with me, sharing the story with the audience. And um, I I think that we we and myself included have have learned a lot from you today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me and I appreciate you doing what you do. Thank you for putting this out there, because I think people really need what you offer. So thank you. Absolutely. So, so for those that are listening and they want to, uh, either a get, get, get your music, get your album or B just stay in contact with you on social media. Um, how can they find all that? They can find me at tiagoins.com, T-E-E-A-G-O-A-N-S.com. And that's got links to all of my socials. Uh, All of my music is there. You can get links to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, however you find your music. I'm there. You can just look me up. Uh, The name of the album is all over the map because it is. And (laughs) the music, like you said, it's not normal. And that's good. Um, But yeah, that's and I love to keep in touch with people on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, however you do socials, you know reach out, say hello, tell me that you heard me on the podcast. And, and I, I really like to keep in touch with folks. So that's, that's the best way to find me. And um, I, again, I just, I really appreciate you sharing my music with your listeners. Absolutely. Well, I'll have all that information down in the show notes. So you guys can um, go check that out. And yeah, thank, thanks again for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And, and thank you to everybody that was listening. Um, and we yes. will catch you on the next episode. You guys take care.